Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Today on Conflict Managed, we are joined by Stacey Harrell, co-owner of Higher Ground Coffee Company and Vantage Coffee Roasters, alongside her husband, Kevin. She attended Middle Tennessee State University and the University of Tennessee at Martin, graduating with an accounting degree. She worked for Welcome Home, a home interior retail shop where she became a store manager and store opener, traveling across the U.S. After a brief stay in Colorado, Stacy returned to Union City in 1995 and worked for her father for two decades. She currently manages the operations of their small business, overseeing both Higher Ground Coffee Company and Vantage Coffee Roasters, which they opened in 2007. Stacy and Kevin are proud parents of three sons, all of whom have played significant roles in their coffee ventures since day one. Good morning, Stacy, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm so delighted to have you. And uh, I started my morning like I start almost all of my mornings with some coffee from your coffee shop for the past 15 years, I think. Uh, that's so amazing. I, there's very few people that I can say that have been with us for 15 years solid. And I do truly appreciate that. Well, your coffee is I think the best anywhere I go. I was just in, I was in Virginia yesterday at a conference and I'm always seeking out something that compares to your coffee. And I always love coming home as I went through the drive-thru this morning at (laughs) 6.20 in the morning to get my, my uh, higher ground fix. Your mocha. (laughs) That's right. I'm so boring. Uh, Listeners, I get the same thing. You enjoy. So that's all that matters. (laughs) That's right. Well, Stacey, I'm delighted to talk with you today to hear about your work history, and I'm really interested to eventually get to talk about uh, your leadership style and how you manage conflict at your various locations with the people that you employ. But let's go ahead and start with the beginnings. Can you tell us about the first job you ever had? Well, the first job I ever had was working for my dad, and if you think about most people working for their family, everybody thought, oh, you just have the easy job. You're working for your dad. Well, that was probably one of the harder jobs I had because I had to do and, and was expected to do things um, on a different level than other people. Now, that was I was young. I was 14. I answered phones. I filed. I washed cars. I watered plants. I did all those fun things that whatever my immediate boss would tell me that I needed to do. And so at school, you know, I don't like to say that I was bullied because I don't even know if that was a word back then. They're like, when you don't really have a job, you don't really have a job. And so I went and I don't know if you're around or if you remember Shoney's um, started as a waitress there and worked there for the remainder of my high school years. And I loved it. I loved getting to know people and talking to people and then went to college and I started working for a company called Welcome Home and I didn't finish college. I started it and didn't finish it because they offered me a management position and then they offered me a a traveling position where I went around and opened up new stores from them from unloading the product to merchandising, to training their employees, to the first day of opening. And um, that was one of my more fun jobs that I can attribute the retail part of my, my love to that because I don't know, I could, I could walk away with an empty, or I could walk in with an empty space and walk out with, trained people and a beautiful store for people to come in and look at. And then moved to Colorado, did similar similar type things. I worked in retail, um, but when we moved back to Union City, I worked for my dad for 21 years and I was the office manager for him. 
and then moved into my job that I am now. And I like to tell people when I'm interviewing them, my background is accounting. Because like when I moved back here, I did say, oh, I want to get my degree. So I finished my degree and I did graduate from University of Tennessee at Martin. I like to tell people when I'm interviewing them that my most favorite job is the job that I have now. Now, while I can be biased about that because I'm the owner, one of the owners, but I get to meet people and see people and talk to people. And that's not just people across the counter from us, but the people that I get to work with every day. So that's my long work history. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so funny that we can like sum up our work history in a a couple of minutes and, and have done so many different things. Yeah. So I have a question for you about your leadership style. So when you worked for um, Welcome Home and you were managing people and you manage people, a lot of people on a daily basis now, how has your leadership style changed and developed? Um, Leadership style, when I worked at Welcome Home and traveled, I mean, my my home base was Murfreesboro and that, that was my store. But when I would leave, opened the stores in like different cities across the United States. But it was a little bit easier there because there were two or three, four people. It didn't take a large crew to man a retail shop that has, you know, blankets all the way up to frame dart. You just had to be knowledgeable about the product. Today, after 15 years, almost 16 years of being open and two or three stores later, we have 46 employees. And so it looks a little different. It, sometimes it's very challenging because not everybody likes everybody, you know, but um, we have a system, I think, that where everybody at minimum respects the other person in doing the job that they're tasked for for the day. Are there kinks in different places? Of course there are, but I've gone from non-confrontational, meaning, and I still don't like it. My grandfather says that if, if he used to say, if it ever gets easy to have a hard conversation, then that's not okay. <laughs> um, so as far as the management style goes, yes, I get to know our employees. Yes, I like to know who they are and where they come from and what their likes and dislikes are. But I also have to be on the other side of that too and sit down and have the hard conversations. But I try to be unbiased in those two because sometimes it affects another person. And I try to either sit down with them both or sit down at different times and kind of figure out what's going on. But Kevin and I leave the shops. We walk out of the shops and we leave our employees and trust our employees to do the job that they've been tasked with. And that's the main thing is that when I leave, I want to make sure that whoever we leave in charge there are maintaining those goals and those those side work lists, Kevin likes to say, we don't have a lot of rules and we don't. There's not rules posted all over our shops. Don't do this. Don't do that. They're all adults, even though they're young adults, they're all adults. And so we trust them with our stores and we trust them to take care of our customers in the best way possible. Um, So managing is me coming in and out, um, uh, helping when needed. When you talk about conflict, trying to figure out the best way to manage that conflict and appease everyone, you know, not just get mad at somebody and it's over and done with. It's what's going on and how can we make this better and and help you succeed here? And so that's kind of how 
I look at it now. I love a lot of the things that you said, you know, going to this idea of trusting people. You know, we're always looking at our circumstances and seeing where is the bar? How empowered am I? Am I going to be micromanaged on one end or to the other end? Am I not going to be told what to do? But when we train and empower people and trust them, then a lot of times people will live up to that standard. And right, it saves a lot of time. All the time uh, that somebody could spend writing an endless list of things of not to do and micromanaging in order to avoid some catastrophe (laughs) in and of itself is a catastrophe, right? It it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. When we do orientations with new employees, we get to a part that says um, rules of conduct. And when you get to the rules of conduct, it's be nice to each other do your job safely. You know, it's so it's really commonsensical type things. They're not rules. And we don't like uh, the word micromanage. You just said, we try not to do that because we have managers in every store. We have shift leads in every store and they know what their tasks are. And we trust and entrust our stores to them to be able to manage in their own style but take care of the job at hand. And another thing I like to tell people is, is that, you know, like when we had a manager in Union City for five years, and when we changed managers to another manager, I didn't want the new manager to be just like the other one. I wanted them to take on their own personality, their own style of doing the things that had to be done, but they didn't have to be that person. They have to be their own person and manage the, the operations of the store. And I always say, treat it like your own. Treat it like your own. If you wouldn't serve it, or if you didn't want to pay, if you wouldn't want to pay the money for that drink, for that salad, for whatever it is that they're getting, then don't, don't serve it. Don't sell it. Don't put it out there. So I like to always tell them too, to treat it as their own. I love the, the big statements that are so powerful. It's, it's, again, it's so different to say, if the lettuce looks like this, you know, and have like a shade of degradation, like when we will stop serving it instead of, would you want to eat it? Would you want to drink it? Would Mm -hmm. you, and that is a kind of ownership. And I know you deal with a lot of young people, a lot of college students, and they are adults and they haven't had in our culture, a lot of opportunities to be treated as adults and take on that kind of responsibility. And that is a reflective ability to say, what would I want? If I was coming into the shop, would I want this? Would I be happy with this or would I be disappointed? And that's a kind of ownership for each and in each individual employee to take on, not just the management. And so in a way you're, you're spreading leadership all the way around and empowering everybody to be able to speak up when something isn't working. Yes, because when we hire people, we don't hire a dishwasher or a cashier or someone to ring up on the reg- you know, register in the drive-thru. Um, we hire baristas, and baristas learn every aspect of the job. So from the cleaning the bathrooms to the washing the dishes to, pay- to baking to hot counter, cold counter, everything, everyone comes in as equals. And then they just move on as they want to, you know, if the opportunity arises and they're interested, then they move up to a shift leader. And that's how we've gotten to our shift leads and our managers and people that we entrust in all the time. 
I also like that because a lot of times people will go into um, service jobs and thinking it is just a job and I'm just here, I'm earning a paycheck and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. But if you're in an organization and you know that you could take that approach of, you know, it's one thing to show up and do your job and do it well. And that's, you know, the minimum requirement, but you could also think about, I want to do more here. And a lot of people want that opportunity to be able to be recognized for the work that they're doing, which it energizes the work that you're doing, sure. then to be seen and then to be able to move up. And yeah. that's, that's pretty powerful opportunity. Yeah. Cause we don't now we're, like you said, there are some people that come for a paycheck and sometimes you can tell who those people are, but we also have had a few people like I, I can think real quick about six or seven people who have left um, and come back, not because they had a bad experience somewhere else necessarily, but hey, um, I moved away, but this was a safe place for me. And so, hey, do you have a spot for me? Whatever it is. And I'm so thankful for the people who have come back and and maybe learned something from the process, not necessarily from Kevin and I, but just the processes and the systems that we put into place to make everything fair and to make everything where perhaps they want to come back and, and play with us again another day because it is a job, but at the end of the day, I want them to enjoy what they do. I want them, enjoy, them to enjoy people like yourself who come through and, hey, Miss Mary, usual today, and you pull on up. And so those are the fun things about the job. Are mornings hard? Sure they are because you got people bumping around in the behind the counter, but we want the job to be a job, but we want it to be fun in the end. But like you said, we do empower those folks who work for us to to work towards something different instead of just, I don't want to say just being a barista, but that's where you begin. And there are lots of things in between that they can become if they want to do so. Yeah, I like what you're saying. You know, most of us work because we need the money, right? <laughs> Those are the economic realities. Bottom line, yeah. <laughs> Bottom line, we need the money. And and yet a lot of times, you know, we get to kind of choose the environment that we're going to be in, or there are options out there. And if we want to engage people and keep people, because as you know, it's it's not fun to constantly be hiring and, you know, the attrition rate and it's costly as well as, and also you lose institutional memory because in a businesses like yours, it really does make a difference to the customer to be known and for the drink to be known and to be made consistently. 100%. Right. <laughs> right? And so there are so many things that um, business owners can do to craft the environment. So you don't get to take the tough away when there's a long, long line out and maybe people are haven't had their caffeine yet or whatever it is, and maybe they're feeling frustrated and it's very, very busy work. You know, the food industry it is a really busy, demanding, sometimes physically demanding job. So to layer that with an atmosphere where you feel invested in and cared for, where you feel known, where it's friendly, that's can be very, that's very powerful. Yeah. One thing that you said that you do is you tell people, you know, treat other people well, use common sense. Sometimes people say common sense isn't so common. So mm-hmm. what, what do you do? How do you treat when people are uncivil to each other? I'm, I'm not talking to like customers, you know, but with workforce, uh, how do you how do you deal with that when somebody says that person mistreated me and 
the other person says, no, they mistreated me. How, how do you deal with those lapses in judgment? I'll, I'll start with one thing where when we, if we ever have a complaint of any kind, whether it's internal or external, I like to hear what my employee has to say before I try to make the hard phone call of a complaint. And not because I'm going to 100% believe this, but in order for my employees or our employees, I shouldn't say mine, in, in, in order for them to trust me, I have to be able to trust what they're saying. So before I ever go into a situation, I tend to try to get the side that I know first and then have a conversation with the hard conversation with someone else. Um, just recently had a conversation with someone who whose coworkers were discussing that the side work and the busy work that has to be done as part of the job. Like I said, I want them to have fun, but then there's also side work and stuff that they have to complete before they actually get to go home and leave for the day. Those things were getting not getting completed, disappearing when maybe a customer comes in. And not only are the coworkers suffering from that, so are, you know, our customers. And so I had the conversation with a few of our employees that worked together and then had the conversation. And I said, I'm just coming to you because this is what I want to do. I want to I want to tell you these things. And they asked if they could defend themselves. And I said, I don't really want you to defend yourself. I want you to tell me what you see happening. And, you know, they did say, I'm mindful of my job. I know that I can do things better. And then I went back to the employees and talked to them. But the one thing that she requested is instead of coming, like coming to me or coming to the manager of the store, if during the moment that those items or the, that confusion or the um, conflict, if you want to call it that, of walking away or not doing the job, if the, if the shift leader, the manager would say something to them at the time, I said, that's a great point because that's what they're empowered to do. You know, they need to be telling you what's going on in the moment because it can be fixed at that point rather than a week later, I come and have a conversation with you. And so, you know, that's kind of how we try and deal with things. I try to deal with them head on. Used to, I'd like wait two or three days and think, okay, it'll get better. But, and I am a trusting soul. I trust people. Um, I value their opinion. I think that they're telling me the truth all the time. And that's just who I am. And so I think that if there's an issue or a problem or a drama situation, that it's just going to go away. But they don't. And you have to handle it. You have to take care of it. But one of the things that Kevin has said that rings true, and I say it all the time, I found myself saying it now, is we're here to serve. And so the literally the only two rules that he throws out there at anybody all the time is be nice to people and people means this side of the counter and that kind of side of the counter and serve great coffee. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I always go back to, you know, if you're walking away when you have customers walking in and you know that you're walking away when customers are walking in, you're leaving your coworker in the lurch where they're having to take the order, make the order, serve the order then you're not respecting and you're not doing the business or your coworker any good. So it just kind of leaves your coworker with a bad taste in your mouth. And that's where we try to stop it at that point. We try to 
not only are you doing this and I see that you do it, you're doing it, your coworker is suffering. Mm-hmm. If your coworker is suffering, the customers are seeing it and they can see, they can see changes on people's faces. You know, mm-hmm. when we are busy and you're like going, Oh my God, I've got 10 cups over here and they've got 17 over there. And I said, I always tell them, don't look up and look at the line. Don't look up and look at the people and like freak out or anything. All you have control of is what's right in front of you. What you, what, what your job, what your task is right now is what's in front of you. I said, but don't look up and look with this fearful, tearful, you know, oh my God, what's happening? Look on their face. Hey, how are you? And just keep going, you know, just keep going. And cause the control is here. Mm-hmm. It's not the sixth person in line or the three people that are standing in front of you waiting on something. So be nice to people, be respectful and serve great coffee. That's our motto. That's our saying within the store because ultimately we are here to serve others. And that's, that's the bottom line. That is so fabulous because you, as you've already mentioned, it, it, it embodies so much for somebody and it's so, so visual. You're not just telling people what to do, but you're telling them why to do it, right? So when you're not doing this, these are the real world ramifications. This is actually why it matters that you, you know, don't look at the line, you stay on task, why you don't wander off, while when there's a downtime, you restock or do this or you do that. And People want to know not just what to do, but why to do it. Sure. Right. And so be nice to others. You know, you've got the golden rules tucked in there, <laughs> you know, and when we're nice to others, they're nice to us. It's reciprocal. We have everything works better, which are reasons to be nice. Right. Yeah. And serve great coffee. If you're not serving great coffee, you're out of business. You're out of a job. Right. Exactly. And it makes it makes it harder to have to redo it. Right? Yes. Uh, so you are in good company. So, you know, I taught philosophy for a very long time and Plato in his massive work, The Republic talks about when you are organizing a society, you have two options. You can either have big rules uh, like, like you have to that be nice to people or respect them and make and serve good coffee. Or you could have a whole litany of hundreds and hundreds of rules you'll never get done it's like with legislation you can never get done legislating enough because people are going to find the loopholes instead make the big ones empower people explain and when they go off mission bring them back to the two and have them see the vision that they can get around of and that is a way i know this might sound grandiose but i i believe it's true it's a way to build virtuous habits By thinking about what I ought to be doing in these two basic rules and seeing how that permeates everything that I do and everything that my coworkers are doing. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, too, is um, we talk about if you're being respectful and if you're being nice to others, that might be the only smile they see during the day. This is a way that we can fellowship with others and we're fellowshipping in on mission, basically through serving coffee. And those are really big tasks, if you want to call them that. But that's basically what we're doing. You know, we're, we're trying to put a smile on somebody's face. We're trying to, it, it's not just about serving coffee. It's, it's about everybody, everything else and everybody else. So it's just the mission 
the, our, our mission field, if you want to call it that, is inside the cafes and serving people through coffee, that fellowship. And so um, that's just kind of how we look at it as well. That serving is such a such a lovely word because it can mean a variety of things like the literal actually giving of mm-hmm. but this the serving there's so many different ways to love people and to make connections with people and we know that in food and and fellowship is a real way to speak into people's lives sure so why did you decide to 15 almost 16 years ago open your first coffee shop and now you have four when we lived in Colorado, there was a really cool coffee shop that we went to back when coffee shops weren't cool. And it was more of a, it was, it was coffee um, because they had the big bins of coffee where you could go and dip in there and get you some coffee, um, which we now find is not super fresh kind of way to serve coffee, but they were also a really neat cafe. And you sat at the bar and, you know, we would have lunch and have coffee and we got to know the owners very well. When we went back here, I came to work for my dad. Kevin went to work and I ended up working for Dumplings and kind of moved with that business when it moved downtown. And and that's kind of where he was. And then he came to work for my dad. And things changed a little over the years. And he came to work for my dad and my brother came back. And so he, he didn't feel in any way, shape, form, or fashion that he wasn't welcome. But he he felt like at that time when it was family, that it was time for him to pursue a dream of his. And his dream was a coffee shop. And at the time, there was nothing like that um, around here. We had critics who said, no one's going to buy a cup of $5 coffee. I could tell you who my biggest critic was, but I'm not going to tell you, but it is family. <laughs> um, they have changed their mind now. It was just something that he felt that that's where he wanted to go. You know, I continued to work for my dad um, until seven years ago. And ever since he sold his business, I've been a part of the coffee shop. You know, I would come in in the mornings. Can I can I throw some um, muffins in the oven for you? Do you need me to make coffee? And that's kind of where my where I stopped. But. Kevin oversaw every single bit of the shop being made. We sought out someone who could show us how the flow works the best. Because I think a lot of people don't know exactly what it is that goes into making coffee and putting in a coffee shop. Because people are surprised if the flow isn't right, if the plumbing is not right, if you don't have filters, if you don't have. Because a lot of people, I do think, still think we push this button and it magically comes out. And we do push a button, but there's a lot more to it than that. But it was it was Kevin's dream along with mine is just that he put it in motion and put it in action. And that's how where we are today. The higher ground locations with the drive throughs have made way for our vantage coffee roaster shops. And what I mean by that is, is here's coffee on this level. And since we have a roastery here in town um, and Kevin's our roaster, the Vantage Coffee Roaster shops were meant to slow that process down, slow down the the busyness and the quickness and the fast and the sugar, all that. You know what I mean? Because um, sugar is great because I like sugar. We wanted to present it a little bit differently. We wanted to show different um, extraction methods and how coffee does taste different than the next cup of coffee and how teas can be made in different ways. And so that's just kind of how that dream evolved from you know, 16, well, 17 years ago before, 
into kind of where we are now. Wow. And I, I should that say, too much or, not but, at but all. That's how it all starts. That's, that's how it all started. So, right. So, in addition to your, to your four shops, you also roast your own beans. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. He imports the coffee. Um, we get it about every six to eight weeks, and we also are a wholesaler for seven or eight coffee shops. So, we we the the roastery is also a warehouse right next door, and we house our products that we host. So that's wonderful. Yeah. So Stacey, when you look over the different places that you've worked, yes, I know that you said that your favorite place is where you work right now, which is always wonderful to be Uh at the place where you, where you feel like that's where you're supposed to be. Can you tell us of a time that was difficult for you, a conflict that you encountered maybe early in your career and how you dealt with that? At the shop that I told you about that I worked at, at Welcome Home. There was a conflict early on with the manager that I worked with. The way the shifts work is, you know, I would go to school, I'd come in. You could work with one or two people there. Morning shift had two, night shift had one. I typically would close by myself, but the manager would, we would close out our day at like four o'clock. And so she would close out the day, do all the paperwork and leave. And she was supposed to be there till 6 p.m. And then maybe there by myself for three hours, which was fine, you know, because it was like a little outlet mall and or was in, in a mall setting. So I never felt unsafe or anything like that. And I knew that I could do the job that that was one of the harder things that I had to do because I was just an employee and I had to answer hard questions to our um, district manager. Why was I there by myself? And that that was hard because I was young then. And that was hard. Working with your family was is hard. You know, I literally worked with every person in my family because we do have a small family at the dealership with my dad. And and that's not going home and forgetting about work. It's going home with work. Just as Kevin and I do now, Kevin and I see things differently where he's strong in a whole bunch of areas. I, I lack that strength. And that's why I'm in charge of the employees not in charge of, I shouldn't say that, but that's where my passion is, is to be with them and to, to work with them. But I have my strengths where he defers to me to do those things. And so regardless of what job I've been in, and yes, this is my favorite and I don't, I'm not even doing except for training somebody to do our book work right now, what I got my degree in. But in every business I feel like I've worked in, there's been some type of conflict or some type of hardship that you have to overcome to be able to, okay, I'm going to work today and I'm going to do the best that I can, you know, and not have those things happen. But like I said, working with my family has been one of the harder things and not because I didn't love them, but because we all think differently, but we all think the same too. And then working now with Kevin, we think the same and we have the same end goal, but we think radically differently. Yeah, I mean, when I think about conflict at work, a lot of times uh, we think there's this conflict that is coming up and we have all the feels about it. And many of us participate in magical thinking that it will hopefully it will go away and we deal with it. We don't. We move on. We think, oh, we're done. But it's, magically, <laughs> we go away. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but conflict is uh, more like the tides. They come and they go and they come and they go. And 
as a business owner, you know this, you know, change management, you're never done with the change, whether it's going on in the culture, something like a pandemic that nobody foresees, whether it's new products, change in the workforce, right? So many people are talking about how the workforce, especially the younger workforce has radically shifted in the past five years about expectation, uh, what they want, what they want to do, what they know, what they don't know which I think is wonderfully, uh, is what all these wonderful opportunities, but if they're not managed, then it is fraught with with difficulties. And so there's all this this constant change and conflict is like that too. It's not you deal with it and you're done. You deal with it and then there's the next one and there's the next one. And I love what you said that your grandfather said that if you get, if, if it's easy for you, something is wrong, but it's, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right. And so you said that earlier in the first years of your business, you would participate in the magical thinking and just want it to go away, but you have shifted into dealing with it. What caused that shift? Um, it was it was the need in having to. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but if anyone if if anyone's going to have to deal with a a situation not that I exclude our managers because managers are people that can sit down and and deal with those things with me I found that if I can reach someone on a level a personal level and then discuss what the conflict is I found that there's a better outcome so instead of just going straight at it with a dartboard and saying this is what I hear you know because people want to know well who said it it doesn't matter who said it. I mean, I'm not going to tell you who said it, but I'm telling you this is what's going on. This is the situation. Instead of just like hitting it with a dartboard and starting out with that, I try to see how they are personally. How are they doing personally? See if there's something that's keeping them from doing their job in the manner in which they should be doing it. And then by the time we get to to the, the problem <laughs> or whatever it is, they know what I'm there for. They understand what I'm there for. And they'll say, are you here to talk to me about this? And then that's kind of how we get together in doing that. You know, early on, we had one manager and managed both locations. And then we split it back up and we had two managers. And so what we decided as I took on a role with the, with, with the coffee shops, with the cafes, that the operations part of not so much the everyday, which we have people who can do that, but the everyday of the employees. What can we do better? How can we serve them better? What are things that we need to overcome? And so that's when I just try to to start learning how to have those conversations, whether they were good and great and let's go talk about this, or if it was something that I really had to delve down into, like letting someone go. That is the worst feeling in the whole world. I told somebody recently, the two hardest conversations that you have when you're running a business, it's not the in-between stuff. It's not really, hey, I saw that you didn't stir that drink or, hey, they wanted nitro. Hey, you forgot, you know, whatever it is. The two hardest conversations that I find having is when you're interviewing somebody because you're looking at a piece of paper and you're talking to someone that you don't know and you're risking hiring because you don't know them. And so there's there's a risk and a liability there that you're having a conversation with someone that you've never met before, but are we going to hire them or are we not going to hire them? 
But then the other super difficult conversation that you have to have is one that when things aren't working out, then, okay. So now it's time to have that conversation where these are things are happening and I'm going to have to let you go. Kevin likes to say, give people other opportunities to succeed. And that's the best way to say it, but that's not the words that you use. You have to say, because of these reasons, we're having to let you go at this time. While the other side of the conversation is a good one, you're getting to know somebody and you're hoping for the, the best when you're hiring somebody that you don't know. But having to let someone go is just a super hard thing. Yeah. Super hard. Absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I know them this much or if I've known them this long. It's still a really difficult um, conversation to have. Yeah. I mean, it is so hard. I mean, I agree with Kevin in the in the abstract, you know, that everybody wants to succeed. And I believe that there's a place for everyone to succeed. And it's not in every job. Right. And so somebody and if you've never done the job, you don't know uh, that that is no. not the environment for you. And nonetheless, we're talking about people's livelihoods. We're talking about there's just so much that goes into parting ways with, with yeah. employment. And yet I am a fan of once we know that this is not, this person isn't performing as they ought and they've been told and they've been um, given opportunities to change their behavior. If they don't take those opportunities, the best path forward, of course, is to part ways for you your organization, the rest of your employees, but then also for them, because it's miserable to be in a place and and not be succeeding. Yeah. Or feel like that you're out of place. Yeah. You know, um, we have people that we hire on that are quiet. And um, if you don't have the conversation with them, if you don't try to get to know them, then they're going to stay quiet. And so that's one of those things whenever someone says, oh, she's so quiet or he's so quiet. I'm like, try not talking about work, ask them who they are and what they like. And, and that usually gets them to open up and become a little bit more vocal because you want people to be vocal. Like you said earlier, you know, we used to try to put an apron on, wear this kind of shirt, don't wear these kind of pants. And we decided several years ago that they're not just coming for coffee. They're coming for the relationship that they've developed with our baristas and we want our baristas' personalities to shine so that people can connect in different ways. Absolutely. All sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, while I do like, I do agree with the opportunities, I, I have never had to let somebody go. I've been in situations where I've managed, but given the organization, somebody at top of me was letting the person go. And it's so incredibly difficult. Yes. Yeah. And it's just the look on the face um, that you're of the person that you're letting go, or if very clearly there's an issue, and then they're going, "I don't know what you're talking about," and and so those are, that's hard. Some people know, but then and and I'm acting like I've let a hundred people go, but literally in the lifetime of me being at the coffee shop, I've only let three people go, mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's. I think that's good. Um, yeah. It's just then a couple of those, they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. But right. Which anyway. is a part of the problem because. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> exactly. That's part of the problem for sure. Right. Yeah. So Stacey, as you think about the future of work environments in general, what do you think needs to happen so that, I mean, your children are, are work with you and as they go out into the world and. 
And what you wish for your baristas if they leave you and they go out into the world, what do you think needs to happen in general in the world of work so that everyone is treated with dignity and respect and encouraged to flourish? Gosh, that's a hard one. Um, You know, like right now, uh, Matthew lives in Chicago and he works for Pepsi. And for the first two years, like which is he's been with him for two years, there was no requirement for going into work. And so as of, I think, September 1st, they're required to go to work three days a week. I think COVID changed workplace environment. Not that I'm not opposed to the the logic and the thinking of COVID because I know it was very serious for a lot of people. But I believe that that changed the work environment forever. Um, And I, I think if I were out looking for a job right now, what I would look for is something where someone genuinely cares about me. I'm not just a number, which sometimes that's how we're treated and that they're, they're also involved and in, include me in the ongoing and moving up or moving around or, or getting to the point where I'm, where I want to be. You know, I, I just talked about, uh, you know, Matthew being in Chicago, they're very integral in his moving. You know, they support him in changes they support his well-being by, you know, here's insurance. If you do this, then we're going to give you these bonus things over here. And while as a small, we haven't provided in the past, you know, with our store management, but we like to give them the incentives to like last night, yesterday was a crazy day in trying to fill in some people's shifts that were sick. And last night I sent both stores, the high ground stores, pizza. I don't know. I just I think that people need to care more and 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 understand people more. And um, I'm not saying give in to every whim because again, it is a business. Um, but we have to understand who who's working for us and their needs and where they can flourish and where they can't. Yes, care more. I mean that. I mean, isn't that the crux of it? I mean, at the end of the day, power structures uh, they come and they go. But right. it's it's the caring and serving. I mean, what else are we here to do but to love right. on each other and and treat each other well? Yeah. In, in 15 years time, like I said, I feel like um, there's a few people that work for us for lots of years. Or if you ask someone who doesn't work for us and has worked for us before, literally, you know, we don't like to go serve others, serve others. But the the entire purpose of what we're doing and from day one, December 14th, 2007, the whole goal from that beginning, from that beginning until where we are now is simply to serve others. It doesn't matter what that looks like or what they're drinking or what they're buying or what they're eating, conversation, caring about them, caring about our coworkers. It's all been about serving others. And if you ask anybody that's worked for us, they're going to say the first thing that they say is they're going to say, we're, we're here to serve others. And it's not like a sarcastic or something like that, but that's, they know, they know. And, and we laugh about it too, because, you know, when we have store meetings and stuff, serve others, be nice to people, serve great coffee, know their needs, make sure they walk out happy. You know, those things are, are what we talk about and, and care about each other and respect each other when you're working because you can't have a good workforce, a good team, a good flow if you're not doing those things yourself. Yeah. And and reinforcing them, you know, that we need to hear things over and over. And 
I just really, again, appreciate how you've simplified it to it's easy to get your mind around and then you continually talk about it and talk about it and expect it and then act according to those principles. And so, yeah, I love that vision for the future of serving others and caring about them. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, Cece, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a delight chatting with you today. It's been fun. I haven't, I haven't freaked out any. Uh, I do appreciate you having me here and I hope that in some way I'm, I've been helpful to someone who might be listening. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. I'll take care. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Stacy, so much for being on Conflict Managed. I really appreciate your management style and the place that you and Kevin have made for our local community to come and have great coffee and treats and a place to to be with others and a wonderful meeting place. I personally have written big portions of many of my books at both Higher Ground and Advantage. Conflict Managed is produced by Third Party Workplace Conflict Restoration Services and hosted by me, Mary Brown. Come back. We have new episodes every Tuesday. And I want to give a shout out to all of our Canadian listeners. All of those of you in Canada, I realize I've never interviewed a Canadian for this show. So if there is somebody that you know that you would like me to interview, or maybe you want me to interview you about how you deal with conflict and your work history that you want to share with the conflict managed audience, please reach out to me and um, we'll make that happen. You can find us online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. Email us at 3pconflictrestoration at gmail.com. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care.